Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. On this week's episode, we are doing a look back at the five questions that we ask at the end of every show from our first five episodes. These are some of our favorite highlights, and I hope you enjoy. Episode one, Bucking the Trend with Jen Mergler. So the first one is, um, tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Any, any type of interaction, like one of those, one of those, like, I, because this moment happened, I am now different type of experience. Okay. So this might seem silly and insignificant, but, um, I can't remember if it was when I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, but you know, 13, 14 years old. Um, as you know, I would have baggy jeans on, I'd have hoodies on and, you know, dressing to certain people, what looked like I was a bummy dude. And, um, my grandmother who lived with us as I was growing up, I guess, kind of forced my parents into making a rule for me that I had to wear a skirt or a dress at least once a week so that I could look like a girl and so that I didn't become a lesbian. (laughs) Um, And it infuriated me, not only because who the fuck are you to tell me how I should dress, but more importantly, who the fuck are you to care who or what I am? And I think I might've gotten through one week of it. And I had nothing against dresses or skirts, mind you. Okay. I just didn't fucking feel like wearing them all the time. Um, but no, but I fought it, fought against that and told my parents like, this is bullshit. I'm not going to do this. I am who I am. And I already knew at that point, I wasn't a lesbian, but who the fuck cares if I was. And why would um, clothes ever dictate whether or not you were gay or straight? <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you. Or otherwise, you know. And that, I really feel like that was a catalyst for me just doing what I do and not caring what people thought. And I'm going to dress the way I want. I'm going to look the way I want. I don't care what you think. And I, I tell my kids about that too. I'm like, you know, I don't care what you look like as long as you're clean you know, wear what you want to wear, be who you want to be, because nobody should tell you who the fuck you are other than yourself. Yeah. It's been a serious struggle, you know, after my oldest was just been in pre-K for, you know, well, half a year (laughs) Um, that he's already like, oh, those are girl clothes or those are girl colors. And these, I know I need to wear these clothes because so-and-so wears those clothes at school. And I'm like, oh God, like already? Yeah. Like, and then, you know, I took him to the thrift store and he found this black sweater dress and he's like, I want to wear this. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I bought it and I, you know, I put it on him and he's like, you know, doing his little thing in the mirror and like sticking his butt out. He's like super cute. And then within like a very short period of time of him wearing it, even just around the house, he's like, I can't, I don't want to wear this. I can't wear this. It's, it's girl clothes. I can't wear girl clothes. And I'm like, it just like breaks my heart. I'm like, you do you, man. Like if, if you want to wear it, you wear it. If you feel comfortable wearing it, you wear it. Don't let anybody tell you like fucking society. What, you know, what, what clothes are for aside from like keeping your body covered and warm. Exactly. (laughs) That is literally it. Exactly. Um, okay. So question number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's a hard one because I am known to ruminate and to perpetuate that you're no good cycle. Um, but I've, I've gotten to this point now where I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression for five years, diagnosed, mind you, I've had it a lot longer. And I just remind myself, whatever the hell is going on, you've gotten through worse struggles. You've gone through 
way worse situations. You've gotten yourself out of harder situations. And, you know, and I give myself the permission to just feel what you're feeling right now, because I spent a lot of my growing up having my feelings invalidated and essentially in a way being forced to just move forward. So feel what you want to feel, get it all out, and then just realize that you've gotten through worse and you're going to get through worse probably as well. I know that's probably simple, but that's all I can do, you know, remind myself of those things. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. Number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a mistake or a failure in your life and what you learned from it. This is like a job interview. (laughs) I know. I'm like, let it. Um, (laughs) Well, without getting into too many specific details, Um, in my early twenties, I did something in a relationship that was not okay. And for years, literally years, I beat myself up over it and held on to this shame and this guilt and self-loathing really. Um, and then I don't even know if there, I don't think there was one specific time that made me reevaluate it, but I, I just kind of like looked around my world and thought if I hadn't done that one thing, I literally wouldn't be where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And I love where I am right now. I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm kinder. I am a much better me because I did that thing and I experienced that situation. And part of me wishes it never happened because it was incredibly painful. But at the same time, if it didn't happen, I I know for a fact that my life would be absolutely different. And so I just came to realize that I can feel those, those guilty feelings. And I can, I can reflect back on it and, and go, God, that, that hurts. Um, but at the same time, what is bigger than that is the fact that I am happy in my life right now. And that thing I did made this life. Awesome. All right. And number five, um, Nope, number four. <laughs> I can't even read my own list. <laughs> someday, someday I will have enough of these that I will just have the questions memorized, but that this is the first day. Yeah. yeah. So number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> so does anxiety count as a trait? Sure. Um, <laughs> So I have, I have issues with control. Okay. And I'm not trying to get like super, you know, (laughs) psychologist or anything, but I grew up in circumstances that didn't give me a lot of control. And as I know, (laughs) as you know, and so I really feel like that created this like super monster inside of me where anything that I can control, I try to. Um, and so I'm, I'm a little type a, um, and so I make lists all the time. I love me a good list to do list or goals list or just shit tons of lists. I find it to be really helpful in helping me to organize because otherwise to get really overwhelmed with what do I need to do and how do I need to do it? And for me being able to just put it down in a list or writing a sequence of something. It helps me to look at something like that and make it less scary and make it more doable for me. Crossing things off. I feel, Ooh, I'm accomplished. I did something, um, which I know goes back to like perfectionism and, and anxiety and all that stuff. But you know what? It fucking works for me. So I'm just going to keep rocking my lists and keep rocking my 
you know, like even when I'm writing, I will literally map everything out because I have to. That's how I feel safe. And that's what works for me. That's awesome. So when you, when you have your lists, um, do you put stuff on your list that is like obvious stuff you're going to do anyway, like get up, take a shower, brush teeth or whatever, or do you just, you be like, put things that you're like, I definitely need to do this today type of things on your list. It really depends. Um, you know, if it's just like, okay, I need to go to Target today and I need to go grocery shopping and I need to drop off library books and that'll be the kind of list that I do. Um, but if there's like something that's like a big event or, you know, like Christmas Eve, which is like a big thing in my house, I literally will write down, sweep the floor, vacuum the carpet, just, I guess it really depends on the bigger the project, Mm -hmm. the more items that go on that list, just to break it down for me and make it not so scary and overwhelming. Okay. Now we're on number five. I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So number five, what is the best piece of advice you've gotten and what's the best piece of advice you'd give to others? Oh, so hard. (laughs) I don't. Okay. So I don't, I don't think this is necessarily advice, but this really helped me. Um, so I had a professor, in grad school. And, um, I took a class where she was teaching two semesters in a row toward the end of my master's degree. And she's just a fucking phenomenal human being. And, um, we kept in touch after grad school. We're friends on Facebook. We've met for coffee. Um, so one time I met her for coffee to talk about uh, a research project that she was doing that she was going to write an article about, And, um, I was talking to her about teaching because that's what her project was focused on. And, um, she just stopped and and looked at me and was like, you know, you're really brave. And I like, who are you talking to? You know, I'm just doing what I do. And she's like, no, but really you're really brave. And I don't think you really understand that. And I didn't. And part of me still doesn't. Um, but I think that I, I, this is years ago and I've held on to that. And I remind myself of that. I remind myself that, Hey, somebody thinks that what I'm doing is important and it's brave and it's meaningful and it needs to be done because I very often don't think that that is the case. And so I think that my advice for other people would be to just realize that you are important. And that sounds so friggin' cheesy, but I think just so many of us see ourselves as ordinary and we're just living our lives and doing our thing. And it's, you know, nothing to um, put out there. But I think that we probably have way more qualities that we realize we don't realize can help other people or that other people can relate to. Um, and so just continue believing in who you are, continue being your most authentic self. And hopefully you can do that regardless of what kind of consequences might bring about. Um, but if you're not true to yourself and if you're not living the life that feels most authentic to you, you're going to be miserable and people will know that. So be brave. We just watched Coyote Peterson today. I'm sorry if you've ever watched it, but he goes, be brave, stay wild. So there Coyote (laughs) Peterson tells you to be brave and stay wild. Don't let anyone tame your spirit people. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, you can add another name to that list of people who think that you're brave and what you're doing is important because check that's me. (laughs) Thank you, dearest. Episode two, Embrace Imperfection with Stephanie Kennedy. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a job interview. So the first one is, um, I mean, we've kind of talked about a lot of these anyway, inadvertently, but tell me about (laughs) like one single experience you had that shaped who you are today. Oh, okay. One? 
You could do more than one. It's fine. <laughs> trying to think of one experience though. Uh, one of those things where you're like, oh my God, if that day hadn't happened, there's no way in hell I'd be where I am right now. Like one of those. Uh, man. I'm just having a roadblock. I don't know. Do you know of any that I've told you? <laughs> um, okay. Um, Okay, wait, I got one. I got a good one. I won't mention who it was from. Okay. But someone once told me that I was not autonomous because I couldn't work by myself. And this was one after I had already started my business, mind you. But it lit a fire under my butt saying, um... I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> it just was hilarious to me because I, it, it was, it was almost like, Oh, you don't think I'm going to be autonomous. You don't think I'm autonomous enough for you. Okay. Well, watch me. It was one of those types of things. And I, I took offense to it because I'm like, I, I started my own business. What's more autonomous than starting your own business. So I don't know if I, if she meant it that way, but it was something that I've taken with me throughout the journey, but also one thing that definitely shaped me to be who I am is one thing my parents always said to me when I was younger was that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And I so, I like 100% believe that, that I can do anything that I set my mind to. And I know for a fact that I can, because I've done it. I've done it multiple times. As long as you, you set your mind to something and that that's something going to be the thing that you really, 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 really want, you're going to get it. And that's, that's that. Unless it's, it's like, if you're not working hard enough for it, you don't want it. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. When you're roadblocking yourself, you don't want it. It's not your path. It's not what you want. So that was one thing that really, really shaped me to be who I am. Um, to be able to get to where I've been able to get to is because I always set my mind to things. Um, and sometimes I take a break from doing that and that's okay. It's okay to be in that, that position where you need to be stagnant for a second, but that's my answer. Okay. Question number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Uh, what do I tell myself to keep going? Um, I basically just get up and I kind of look at myself in the mirror and I say, are you forgetting who you are? Are you forgetting what you've accomplished? Because you're not in, and it gets to a point where, you know, and I'm not, I know I'm not the only businesswoman who has imposter syndrome, but it gets to a point where you're like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. It's like, you are doing plenty. And just like giving myself that little pep talk being like, you are a boss and you are amazing and you need to give yourself credit for that and, and own that and own that title and own that, you know, feeling of, you know, being a successful person. And I'm really, I'm really thankful for the success and I, and maybe I'm a little too humble sometimes, maybe a little bit too modest sometimes. I'm very proud of what I've been able to, able to do and, and I, and the second thing I do is that I hop in the shower and I clean my room because usually when I know that I'm in a funk, when my room is just a total disaster area <laughs> and my clothes are not done or like my laundry isn't done. Like, I'm like, this is a total disaster. I don't want to do this anymore. And as soon as I get myself organized, I'm like, okay, I can work again. This is where I am. This is who I am. And this is where we got to be because like, this is not gonna fly. For the rest of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. <laughs> Tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Uh, I mean, I fail all the time. I make mistakes all the time. Um, big mistakes. I don't, I don't really feel like I have made, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes I felt like they were pretty minuscule. I never really regretted anything I chose to do because I'm very calculated a lot of the time. Um, But how I overcame it was just reminding myself that I can try again tomorrow. 
And if I feel like I'm making a mistake or failing, that it's not the end of the world. And the one thing that I always tell myself too, and I tell anybody who's having issues with like self-confidence and, you know, self-doubt is that you always have the opportunity to be better tomorrow. And even better today, like there's no, there's no reason you can't be different than who you were yesterday or what people define you as. If you or your friends know you for being late, start being on time. You don't have to live in that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's true though. Like it's, it's so, <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean though? Like it's like people live in that definition of who they are. Like I am defined as being, you know, like always in places. I'm always somewhere, but that doesn't mean I always have to be that person. I don't always have to participate. I can always, I can always take a break from it. Mm -hmm. I don't always have to be there. But if, when it comes to like, like failure and, you know, you know, making a mistake, it's like you, you learn from it. I just, I just learn from it. I overcome it by learning from it and not doing it again, because I know that if I do it again, it will create a, not only a repetitive cycle, but it also creates animosity with the relationships that I have. And that makes me sad. So I try not to do that if I can help it. That's awesome. It's funny because as I've been like asking people these questions, I keep like thinking what my own answers would be. Um, and my uh -huh. answer to that one changes all the time. Um, but the <laughs> one that's coming into my brain right now is that when I was a freshman in high school, I had this huge, huge crush on this guy that went to school with us. And like I used to call him and talk to him on the phone all the time because it's like back in the day when we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. And, so I used to call him and like talk to him and, you know, flirt with him all the time, but I was super friggin' yeah. weird because I'm me and I was obviously still super weird then. Um, and, um, there was like a couple of people who like, we all were hanging out after school and he was a total stoner and I was not yet a stoner. I was like hanging out with the stoners trying to be cool, but I was still afraid to like smoke yeah. pot or whatever. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so I hung out with them, but I didn't smoke with them. And later on, I told somebody that I did as like trying to be cool. And of course, it's yeah. cool. so it got back to him that I had said that I did something that I didn't really do. And he came up to me in the middle of the cafeteria, super, super loud, like right <laughs> in my face. If you want to get me to like you, lying is not how you do it in front of everybody in the whole cafeteria. And like, Ooh. oh my God, I have like never, <laughs> I have never been more embarrassed in my entire life. Like my, I couldn't even like, yeah my ears were ringing and like, I couldn't even see straight. I was so embarrassed. Like my life is over. I'm like 14. This guy that I like to love fucking called me out on being a lying asshole in the cafeteria. Um, oh my God. But there really is like not a day that goes by of my life that I don't thank him for doing that. Cause that took uh -huh. balls to do that, you know, to like, Oh yeah. Out on their bullshit. Like, and no one had really done something like, I mean, it was horrible, embarrassing, but he was cool about it after that. He was like, as long as, you know, yeah. like, just don't do it. That's not, it's not a good thing to do. Don't do it. And I like never yeah. shit up again after that. I was like, okay, fine. Next time I'm taking that weed. We're smoking, man. I'm not, not going to tell people that <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, oh my goodness. So yeah, it's funny. Cause that's the one that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna crazy. say his name. Don't, he, don't, haven't we all had those traumatic experiences? Haven't we all? Like it's just crazy. I, I have a. It's it's really funny because I never dated him, never hooked up with him or anything. Yeah. I still do know him to this day, and um, I'm That's not, really I'm not gonna say his I name. Knows who he is. Um, but thank you, high school boy. Thank you, high school boy, for that because that was that was good. <laughs> that was, <laughs> 
<laughs> over time it was a good experience oh. um <laughs> okay so question number four what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track most responsible um using a trello board that is one thing that i use every single day my trello board it makes it helps me keep track of my schedules but also helps me keep track of like what i need to do because you know through a lot of exhausting things that I've been going through, my memory is not what it used to be. Um, but being able to put it all like laid out basically like in post-it notes is really helpful for me. So I use Trello every single day for that reason. That sounds that's super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Super helpful. Super helpful. Uh, number five, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what is the best piece of advice you would give somebody else? Best piece of advice that I've gotten. I've gotten a lot of good pieces of advice. Um, I think one piece of advice that I got, I think it was more of an in, instilled from my dad. Um, I guess it wasn't a piece of advice per se, but it was definitely a valuable lesson um, that I could do anything a man could do. Hmm. And that was something he saw that he very much believed in. I mean, he believes in that a woman can do anything that a man can do. And you just because I'm a woman doesn't the snow and pee, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like, in, in, <laughs> like, that's just gross. Like I, like it was more of like, it was more of on the vein where like, he didn't want me to feel like I couldn't do something because I was a girl. Like, of course I can't pee in the snow <laughs> because I, <laughs> of obvious reasons. However, I, he, he never wanted me, wanted me to feel lesser because I was a woman. And I was, I was respecting my dad for that because he never felt that way towards women. He has a lot of respect for women. Um, but the best piece of advice I would give somebody is um, something that I learned at a very young age is First of all, stop comparing yourself to anybody else because you are in different paths. And two, stop caring about what anybody else thinks because they, they do not care a damn about what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Because that at that point, I mean, yes, there's criticism. Yes, there is. At the end of the day, you think to yourself, how many times a day do you think about other people and what they're doing? Like how many, like realistically, how many, how many times a day do you really think about what other people are saying about you? You're only really thinking about what they're saying about you because you're thinking about how you would perceive yourself on the outside. Mm -hmm. That's really all it is. So comparing yourself, stop comparing yourself and stop thinking that anyone is really actually cares that much about your life to make it a problem <laughs> because you're the one who has to care about you. You are the one who's going to be with you for life. So you have to be good with what you are doing mm -hmm. just being true to yourself in that way. Um, it's okay. It's okay to be you because a lot of the time the you that you are is awesome and that's okay. Even if you don't, if you're not completely confident about it on the outside, you can build towards that confidence. I used to be very shy. I would let people talk over me. Believe it or not, I would let people <laughs> talk over me. Um, and I <laughs> and I would let people step all over me. And that that was who I used to be. But I'm not that person anymore because I am true to myself. Like, believe it or not, me who talks literally all the time used to not talk at all to people. I couldn't even look people in the eye. And Jenna, you knowing me, I'm sure you don't believe that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that whoever taught you that lesson taught you that lesson, you know, whenever they did. Because it wasn't in a nice way. I will say that it was in very, very like harsh way that I learned that lesson on multiple occasions. So I'm happy that I'm, I am who I am now because of it. And I'm thankful for those experiences um, because even like you were saying before, with the bad comes the good. And a lot of the time that good is the lesson that you get out of it. So 
Yeah. Aw, that's awesome. Aw. Yeah. I love this conversation. <laughs> Episode three, starting fresh with Marie Rochelle. The first one is tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today, aside from being on the dairy farm. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, you know, definitely being on the dairy farm. I mean, my father, I was an only child, so that absolutely shaped me. Um, <laughs> let's see. So who, what really, really shaped me? It's <sighs> a really good question. I think, I mean, just because it's so fresh, I think just the, like my relationship, you know, my, my serious relationship for, you know, a good chunk of my life shaped me. Um, you know, that experience, obviously, you know, having that relationship with a lot of ups and downs and things like that. And I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about myself, a lot about how I interact with people, how I want to interact with people, how I want to make other people feel. Um, and then also just being confident in your, in your choices. Right. So, I mean, of course I didn't want to make the decision to, or we, we, cause we made it together. We didn't want to make a decision to have a failed marriage. Like no one wants that. Um, but just making a decision like that together, which I'm super, super grateful we could do. But then I think what's more important just beyond that is, um, knowing that I made that right choice. Like I said, that happened and it was like really tough. It was a lot, it was tough. You know, I had to adjust to a whole new life, but you know, then freelance business week happened and the award happened and, you know, then a lot of other recognition type things were happening. And then the co-working space happened. It's just, I think that was maybe my moment or my experience that allowed me to be like, yes, this has changed me because I know, I feel like I just know me better and it allowed me to be me. So now I, I can see myself as a whole, who I am and like what I want. So I'm super excited about that. (laughs) Okay. Question number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, (laughs) What do you tell yourself to keep going? I get to go to work today. (laughs) Yeah, I get to work today. That's that's one of them. Now, um, let's see. Sorry, I'm moving a couple of things. Um, Sometimes I feel like when I feel defeated, I, I like to just take a step back. So I don't really think I say anything to myself other than just breathe breathe, do what you got to do to like reset and then just overcome whatever it is that you have to do. Cause most likely if it's something like that, it's something that you can't really avoid. You know, you just got to muddle through it, whatever it is. Um, yeah, whether it's challenging or not. So, so number three, uh, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Hmm failure or mistake. I have plenty of those. <laughs> Which one? Let's see. Hmm. Well, you know what? So opening the nail salon, right? So I opened the nail salon. I'm oh, sorry. My finger was over the camera. Um, opening the nail salon was great. Um, but opening it with family was really difficult. So not that it was a failure. I mean, the salon is a success and it was great, but just maybe deciding to work with family and just being super cautious and careful about that, um, I think is maybe, so it wasn't necessarily a mistake. Um, and I was appreciative of the experience, but I think I would definitely be more cautious of, um, or I am more cautious of, you know, like partnerships and things of that nature. So, uh, like with the co-working space, we were very, very particular and careful about deciding to work together. Okay. So number four is what trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? I love my trait or habit. Mm, definitely my energy. It's just going to be my energy. <laughs> having like we were talking about earlier, just having the energy to manage everything, you know, my home, my kids, myself, the co-working space, the event, just everything. You have to have an endless amount of energy. And I don't, always have that. Uh, but I work really hard to, you know, to do it, to keep it. So what kind of things do you do to, to bring your energy back up or when you're, when you feel like your cup is getting empty, what do you do? I like to take a step back. So kind of the same thing of what I said earlier, sorry if I'm repeating an answer. Um, but just, I guess growing up in the country and stuff, I like to 
just be like, all right, I'm going to turn my stuff off and go chill in Ellicottville for the weekend or whatever. I like to, to do that a lot. <laughs> a silent retreat is next up on the list. I've never done that before. And I think people really would like pay money to see me not talk. <laughs> so <Seriously. Same> <laughs> someday, someday. Oh my God. That was super hard for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Right. But I've heard really good things about it and I, I admire people that can do that. So maybe someday, <laughs> definitely someday. Yeah. I was, I was in this um, zoom poetry event the other day with Sonia Renee Taylor. I don't know if you know who she is. She's amazing. You should totally Instagram follow her. She's so cool. And I, you should uh, send me her profile. That'd be awesome. I definitely will. She's like a, world-class powerhouse in so many ways, but she, I asked her because she's always like giving of her energy to others to educate them and to really work. seems like every minute of the day to change the world and do amazing things. And I asked her like, you know, how do, how do you find all that energy and, and you know, where do you get it from? And she said, I only give from my overflow. Yeah, I believe Whatever I, love, I mean, and I honestly, I could, I can say that I feel that way and that I operate that way because if I don't feel a hundred percent, I can't give anything to anyone else. I never really thought about it that way that like, whatever is, whatever is in your cup is for you and you can only right. what's extra. <laughs> I just, that's amazing. Honestly, that's great. And I'm glad that Hey, those little moments, right? Like you learned that then and you were different. That was totally one of them. And I was like, zing, what? In my face. Great. (laughs) There was a a whole book. So when you talk about that moment, the You Are a Badass at Making Money, that book by Jen Sincero, um, that was my, that whole book was a moment for me. I mean, it taught me so much about earning money, my mindset about money, earning money, you know, how to charge, things like that. It was a great book. What's it called? Uh, you're a badass at making money <laughs> by Jen Sincero. <laughs> the last question is what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? And what's the best piece of advice that you would give to somebody else? Hmm. Best piece of advice I've ever gotten. It's not so much. Does it have to be business related? No. Okay, cool. Cause uh, I'm just trying to think about what I would want. Best piece of advice. That's a hard one. I feel like I would want to have known this one before I came on. <laughs> oh, Loving I have a minute, right? I can think about happening it. in the back of your video. I love this. I know. Like I can think about this. Yeah. This is my life. Um, let's see. Um, I appreciate you like letting me do this in my car. That's great. Um, <laughs> so best piece of advice. <sighs> this is hard. I wish I could pause it. So I could think. I don't really know if it's advice, but honestly, when you said that question, it was, um, it's definitely not advice, but it's the only answer I have. So when I told someone I was adopted once, they said something to me, they were like, wow, so you're super special. You were loved twice. And that was a moment, you know, we talk about the moments. So that was definitely a moment for me. And I guess maybe not them giving me advice, but them saying that like made me think about advice and just be like, and just understand that I guess that like love can come from anywhere. Like, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but it was the first thing I thought about. Um, it really does. So just, right. So just having someone say that to me, you know, I was loved, you know, of course, like when my parents gave me up and then loved again when, um, when I was adopted, just knowing that it can come from anywhere. So the advice out of it is just, like I said earlier, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like a spouse or anything like that. Like as long as, you know, like you love yourself and you have your community, that that's what's important. Definitely you first, but then having like that system and support behind you would be great. Yeah, exactly. I, I've, I've been a big believer in that you really only need five things to survive. You need food, you need shelter, you need clothing, you need someone that loves you and something that drives you. And other than that, everything else is just cake. Oh, I love that. I want to, oh, I'm going to watch this again and then write that down. <laughs> I can totally <laughs> That's super that. great. You know, honestly, after this is over, I'm probably going to think of like 10 different pieces of advice I've been given. And if I have a mentor that watches this, they'll be like, really, you don't remember when I said this or whatever. 
in fun in fun of course but they'll be like really you don't remember that lesson I taught you <laughs> honestly uh, it's funny because oh, I really have know, no idea what I would answer most of these questions I just like asking other people <laughs> you know it's really funny actually now that I think about it one of my mentors told me she's like have a <laughs> have a separate banking account basically like from your significant other <laughs> that was one of them and it was like a business oriented thing you know it was like have one account for bills that you put all your money in spent like on your utilities and your bills and stuff and then like have an account for you which um I've always done that so uh that was a good piece of advice I guess not as heartfelt as the first thing but practical and it definitely it worked so yes I've definitely had uh I, I'm my girls at, at Lace and Day I don't know if you ever shop there they're amazing but yes. Yep. They uh they totally were like, yeah, you totally should je- just have put it on the HNK card. I was like, what? The he'll never know. <laughs> he'll never know. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's terrible, but you know, that's hilarious. Oh, that's really funny. Really good at just. I like that. That's definitely you should make that your answer for the best advice you've ever gotten. How that works? Yes, that you should buy expensive bras <laughs> on a separate credit card and not tell your spouse about it. Episode four. Create the beauty with Idris and Alexa Wajid. So these are the five questions that I ask everyone. The first one is, tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Mm. Like any one moment where you're like, oh, after that one moment, this was all different. Are you thinking or are you going? I'm thinking. Are you going? Oh, Okay. An experience that helped shape me who I am today. That's interesting. Mm. You know, I would say, for me, I would say when I was 18, I had a conversation with my mom. And I remember telling her, like, you know, what my plans were for myself. I still lived at home with her. I lived at home for a long time with my mom, actually. <clears throat> Till I was 26, I stayed at Till home. Till he was married. Yeah, yeah. So I've only had two roommates. Well, one roommate, her. And then my sister was just a sibling in the same house. But, <laughs> but when I was 18, I told her that I wanted to go and travel and be an, an artist. Like I wanted to, particularly I was thinking music at the time, but I wanted to be an artist. I declared myself to be an artist then. And, you know, in the protective parents way, you know, she kind of smashed that to the ground, you know, like in, in, in big shards of glass, like, no, you're going to college and this is what you're going to do. You're going to get a job, blah, 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 blah. And I followed that recipe to the T and it did not bring me joy, you know. So the person that I am right now is now I will not compromise of who I declare myself to be ever you know so i would probably say that's it for me i don't know for me i've had i don't know i mean i've done i've made a lot of u-turns and i've adapted a lot and i've been very flexible in my thinking and um recognizing and understanding who i am um i think the one thing that i can attribute that to honestly is a part-time job that I had over the summer that I absolutely love because I was working with the board of education at the temp and I was able to hop from job to job. And I love seeing, you know, new offices or meeting new people or being around different kids. And my job was always changing. Either I was a clerk typist with speech pathology, or I was a clerk typist for the principal. So I think that kind of built up my, um, I don't know, just my ability to adapt and be flexible. And I think that contributed a lot to who I am. Um, But in terms of my artistic and creative being, I don't know, because I'm still on the cusp of recognizing that I don't have to live up to what my um, parents and ancestors have always done in terms of going to school, get a job, retire, and have this happy life mm-hmm. um, on the pension. So I'm still on the cusp of changing from that mindset to the mindset of you can build and create and have your own and literally manifest what you want your life to be. That's awesome. Okay, number two. 
When you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourselves to keep going? <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> I have two things, actually. I have learned to cuss myself out. I have learned to sit in front of the mirror and literally yell at myself and call myself names when I feel defeated or overwhelmed or challenged or act like I can't do something. Or even when I get scared, I I literally, I started sharing that with him. I literally just had to sit in front of a mirror and just have this serious talk with myself to recognize who and what I am. But the second thing that I do is I, I kind of have a mantra that, that stage, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. So whatever you're going through is not long-term. It may be for a reason or a lesson or to teach you something, but it's ultimately for your greatest good. So you are exactly where you are supposed to be and you're on the path you're, you know, you're supposed to be on. Sometimes it's hard to sit with that, but you're where you're supposed to be. Saying she, she's, she shares those words with me, you know, in times of defeat or whatever. For me, though, along with that, I've just started subscribing to there are no mistakes. I just kind of subscribe to that. Like I don't I make a decision or make a choice or whatever. I don't look at it as a mistake. It's just that it just is. And, you know, try to just try to not let it linger, just kind of move, go through it. And what's helped me with that as well is my art. Like I just, I throw all, you know, caution to the wind, as they say, when I do my art and when I'm done and it's dry, yeah. that's it. You know, <laughs> the decision is made, it is finished, it is done, move forward. So what, you got too many fingers on that piece? Oh, well, <laughs> that's where I am with it. Ah, I love that. It's going to make this other question really kind of funny. Okay, number three, tell me about a way you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from <laughs> unsubscribe from mistakes yeah unsubscribe from mistakes and and again that letting go i mean worry is 95 percent of you saying oh did i really mean to say that was that the right thing to say oh did they how did they feel that i say that but you know what let it go you said what you said you did what you did keep going next yeah Okay, number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? Mm. 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 Habit <laughs> for keeping me on track. Most <laughs> responsible for keeping me on track. I'm interested in hearing his response. Habit. I have a habit of being, being that I'm a tourist. Most people would describe it as being stubborn. I don't call it stubborn. I call it being determined. So I would say that is my attribute in the sense of me being just determined to just continue going, continue trying, even when I'm frightened as heck. Sometimes, you know, I just just be determined, be determined to succeed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I am a trained project manager. And a lot of my corporate year, uh, corporate years, life chapters were about project management and working through it. So I'm very task and detail oriented. So that is, that is it. Give me so a task. I'm a task plan and he's like, let's follow this plan. <laughs> That's yeah. why I work so well. It's great. Where am I? <laughs> Who are my people? What's my money? What's my budget? Let's go. <laughs> yep. What's your sign? Just, What's your sign? I'm a Cancerian. That is so funny because I'm a Taurus and my husband's a Cancer. <laughs> wow. Like, with another with like, a Taurus and a Scorpio too. Yep. Wow. <laughs> now that's interesting. That's yeah, awesome. As far as being like the stubborn Taurus, I, I like to say to people, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of anti-American for a woman to be very confident, right? You know, it's like, it's, it's not a, a trait that is common. And I... I like to, I like to change it around to be like, I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. Yeah. That's, that's my, my Taurus heart is coming out. Like and nobody's going to change my mind on how awesome I am. Like yeah. that's, that's number one, you know, as far as like going back to what you're talking about being selfish, 
you know, is, is important sometimes that like, that's something I learned from my dad. I mean, he took the being selfish kind of too far <laughs> occasionally <laughs> and like always put himself ahead of others, which is, <laughs> is the best game. Um, but he also like knew what he wanted to do with his life and wasn't letting mm. anything get in that way. And he has done amazing things that have changed the world with his life already. And I, you know, it's, it's hard not to see the value in that too. And it's kind of like, you know, when you're on the airplane, they're like, put on your own mask before you help others. And it's, it's like that as far as like, you know, fulfilling your dreams in some way, because yeah. if you don't, you're not taking care of your own soul in, in ways that it needs. And I think that's absolutely important. Okay. Uh, number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and what advice would you give to other people? Mm-hmm. several pieces yeah several pieces <laughs> I would I, w- I would I'll say hmm. this this two I'll just I'll just pick out two particularly for me so my mom always tells me like even now in my age now she's just like she always kind of reminds me says shoulders back chin up go after it like so I always have to remind myself of that, you know, despite whatever it is, I have to, even if I don't feel strong at that moment, just the motions of putting your shoulders back and your chin up gives you an attitude of at least standing firm enough, you know, to stand. And then my dad, um, he's also a visual artist, and because as I mentioned, a jeweler, um, who's made a lifetime being pretty much obscure as being, he's, his life is obscure in the sense of people knowing him not knowing him, but he is world renowned in his craft. So it's, it's interesting, but when it comes to money, like money, we need, obviously we need money and uh, resources in order to make things happen. But he boils it all down to just saying, Idris, just create the beauty. That's it. You know, so I don't have the answer to everything else. Sometimes I don't know where the a check is coming from. I don't, I don't know where an opportunity is coming from. But the one thing that is in my control is to create the beauty, mm-hmm. make the time in the day, in the week, in the year, whatever, to just create the beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. love it. You need to yeah. make stickers that say that. <laughs> <laughs> On it. T-shirts that say that. People buy them. Okay. <laughs> oh, for, oh. Um, I guess I have maybe two that I've gotten, mainly from my mother. One is uh, plan your work and work your plan. And the other is a workman without good tools cannot do good work. And, you know, we use that throughout our lives, but we're also, you know, teaching our kids that. Um, As far as what I think I would give someone else is to just be you, you know, just use your voice, trust your voice, but share your voice and, and simply be you. Cause there's, there's no other like it. Yeah. Grant yourself permission. That's the key. Yeah. Part of the key. One of the keys. Yeah. Grant yourself permission to be you. Cause no one else is going to give you the permission you'll be waiting forever. Right. So <laughs> unless you're lucky to have a partner that says it's okay to be yourself. Go ahead. But if no one gives you that, you got to give yourself permission. Yeah, you do. Ugh. I love that. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> I think hey, you need to talk. Yes, are you? you definitely need to have your own, your own talk show. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be so great for the whole world, you know, where it's just like one of you is talking to people and the other one's making art in the background. Like it just <laughs> great. So much creativity and so much love. I just, thank you. what else is there? <laughs> you know, yeah. like what else is there? Just keep showing up, man. Keep showing up. And being you. That's it. Episode five, Failing Relentlessly with Carlos Andres Gomez. The first one, it's tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Like one of those like one moments where you're like, oh, everything is different because of that one thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, probably, I mean, I would say this kind of, I think solidified the, my path that I've been on as a, as an artist, as my sort of life calling when I was, um, a couple months after I saw slam, 
Martin Espada came to my high school in Providence, Rhode Island, and he read from his book, Imagine the Angels of Bread. And uh, I went up and bought a copy of, you know, his book. And he wrote, Para Carlos, Poeta del Futuro, Martin Espada in the book, which, you know, means for Carlos, Poet of the Future. And he didn't know I was a poet. He didn't know I'd been writing poems quietly that I hadn't shown anyone, you know, <laughs> since watching Slam. And I think um, that was definitely a transformative watershed moment in my journey. Uh, I don't know where I would be without Martin Espada that day and, and beyond. That's awesome. Okay, number two. When you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Um, one of the things I, I, I constantly tell myself, is, you know, is just remind myself that I am enough and that each of us is enough. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think, I think one thing that I think is just sort of very much at the heart of my, of, of my work, my personal work, my artistic work, my life work is I very much am constantly in confrontation with the fact that I'm like a deeply flawed work in progress. And um, I think that, you know, failing is a requirement to doing anything and failing epically and spectacularly and very deeply vulnerably is, is a requirement for doing anything meaningful and transformative in your life. So I think I constantly remind myself that, that a constant encounter with failure is in fact the inherent blue, blueprint to wherever I'm trying to go. And yeah. so I think whether I'm failing in terms of the person I'm hoping that I am or what I hope to succeed or what I hope to do today, tomorrow is a new day and I will have another shot. And so I, I try to remind myself in those two things, just failure is a gift and, and I'm enough. Awesome. So number three, it's funny. <laughs> this like totally ties in. Tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Um, yeah, we have, uh, let me see a failure or mistake in the way I overcame it. I mean, I think one thing is, um, I think about learning to read late and having a really hard time in school. And I think, um, I think overcoming that I never struggled with school again as a concept, although I was forever been a slow reader and probably would still get really low reading comprehension scores if I took a, you know, a standardized test right now. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think it built tenacity and habits and I had to develop other tools to work around the fact that I was a slow reader. I probably have some learning differences that haven't been diagnosed. Um, all the, the, the challenges that I had with reading with school early on, I think it helped me it forced me to, to develop tenacity and tools that I, if I breezed through, I don't think I would have been forced to have developed. And I think those, those tools have been sustaining and have served me well in the long term. Awesome. I used to write all my letters upside down and backwards. So I totally get wow. It. Yep. Um, all right. So what is one trait or habit that's most responsible for keeping you on track? Wow. One trait. Um, I have a completely, um, you know what related to what I said before, I have no fear of failure. I don't fear failing at all. Um, I don't encounter a lot of people who say something similar that may be true about other people, but I think that that might be like my single most resilient gift is like I could fail or I could have like the whole world disagree with me or I could have the whole world tell me like my work is shit and I'll be like, okay, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's like, there's like kind of that. Um, yeah. I think that that, like I often say, you know, like depending on the perspective you come from, you know, like my career and my life has been like an overwhelming series of failures, you know, like I've had, probably not, I've had probably had like a 0.03% success rate, but I just put myself out there so much that it appears like I succeed a lot, but I'm actually failing relentlessly. And so I think that that's an actual gift is just that, that tenacious, um, overachieving fearlessness that I move through the world with is I could just keep failing. And I don't, I don't think that it appraises me as a failure. If I fail, I think, okay, cool. Let's try it again. Yeah. You're like, well, okay, that didn't work. What next? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, this is not one of the questions and I'm curious, like how many times did you send out your book before it got published? Um, I can't remember with my chat book, but, um, my full length that's being published this fall, it was rejected 33 times over two and a half years. (laughs) Anyone who's listening, I want you to know that, that like (laughs) some of the best poets in the world have like an insane amount of people be like, Nope, that's not the book for me. Um, and and then books come out and they're amazing. So oh, yeah, no, I mean, like in, in 33, I'm saying like 26 or 27 of those were like, dear submitter, like go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh you know, I, I often, I, I'm trying to remember uh, Justin Philip Reed who won the national book award um, a couple years back. I mean, Justin Philip Reed, I think was rejected either eight times or 11 times with, with their book. And, uh, and the book won the national book award. So, so I think we all need to like remind each other about that, you know, and just keep it in perspective. I mean, 2018, I had, I, I won a bunch of awards for different poems and got a lot of publications. I also got 104 rejections that year, 104. Yeah. So I think like, you know, and I, and I was actually aiming for triple digits. That was a goal I had. So I was really no, I seriously was really grateful when I got that hundredth rejection. I was actually really excited. So yeah, I think that's, that's important yeah, for, for all of us to remind each other about as writers and artists. Yeah. And one of the heavy hitters, um, events that they did, um, I think it was Amber flame. And I, I asked them, um, you know, if you're going to try and submit a book or whatever, and, and she was like, you need to submit so often that you only track the yeses. <laughs> like that's gold right there. I love it. Um, okay. Do to do to do. Number five. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what advice would you give to other people? Wow, the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Man, that is I'm gonna give <laughs> this is a this is um both literal and figurative advice um that I'm gonna that I'm gonna invoke and also give to people. So one of the most wise, brilliant, talented, generous, kind, transcendently gifted human beings I've ever known is a woman named Tamala Woodard. She married my partner and I, she directed and co-conceived my solo play Man Up, which was the play that inspired the memoir I would write years later. but the play I wrote with her and developed with her was in, in the spring of 2007. And we did it at a bunch of festivals in New York. I did it at the Edinburgh Fringe in Scotland. But um, the play was extremely challenging. I mean, for a lot of reasons. But it was 75 minutes, me by myself. Like, for folks who've ever done a solo theatrical work, I mean, it's all you. If you're having an off night, like, you just got to sit in in front of a sold-out house the rest of the show. There's no, there's no one to catch you or to help you out. It was an incredibly emotionally intense, vulnerable excavation of my, largely of my relationship with my father, but also my other relationships. And, uh, it was, it was, it was extremely emotionally challenging. So it gets picked up to, 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 I get flown to Scotland to do it for 35 consecutive nights at the fringe in, in, in Edinburgh. And, um, I mean, I can't express to you like how difficult that was for a lot of reasons. I mean, it, it rained 19 consecutive days and I got the flu, the seventh show and didn't miss a show and did, I think five or six shows in a row with the flu. Very, very sick. Um, and I remember Tamala said to me, cause it, cause like I would, ha- I had these incredible nights where I had a long standing ovation. I have nights where I was just struggling and couldn't get into it. And she said, you always have until the last word you always have until the last word and she's like and every show is like that she's every play every performance every concert people just want a moment people just want a moment so keep fighting to to get there if you're struggling with being present if you're struggling to get in your body if you're struggling to get like get like get like back on the train that you're trying to like like you know like like just stay there and I remember like having this one show where I couldn't catch up to it until the last, it, it, like the audience was out of it. I mean, it was, it was a mess. And I remember the final moment of the play, it's this beautiful, beautiful moment where I take this breath 
and then all the lights cut as I, as my chest fills up with air. I was present in that one moment and everyone in the house stood up and was like weeping and clapping. And I didn't earn that. You know what I mean? Like, but it was like that last moment Mm -hmm. I fully landed and arrived in my body. And to me, that's kind of a, I don't know, in many ways, it's like an analogy for, for the lives we live. You know, like I, um, I don't know. I, I, I believe that, that we all, we all have an obligation and we all have a right to like become the people that we are meant to become. And I think that we're all, I think we all have a right to like heal and to be better. It doesn't absolve us of the, of the terrible versions we've, earlier versions of ourselves that we've been. Mm-hmm. But I think that those terrible versions should not prevent us from being the person we're meant to be right now. And so I think I remember that in every show, but also in life. And I, and I, and I pass that along to, to, to anyone who's, who's tuning into the podcast. Um, Hopefully you not. That last one. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.